time for the word. I want to uh, pause James chapter 1 for a moment. Can you turn me down just a little bit, um, Brian? <coughs> and and um, uh, talk about something that I, uh, the la- my last point, my last point from Friday, from Friday, my last point from Sunday, I was challenged on this point, and so I uh, was challenged to prove something that I said, so uh, today I will uh, spend time proving uh, something that I said, okay, and <laughs> so if you remember, we ended last uh, Sunday with me making a statement that the Holy Spirit is not our power source for the Christian life. Okay. And um, again, someone challenged me on that and was like, well, you need to prove it. Okay. So, so today is my defense of that statement. Okay. Now, you all who know me know that um, when I make a statement, uh, the statement that I make is not always 100% incorrect, right? It is just not complete, okay? So is it 100% true that the Holy Spirit is not our power source for the Christian life? No, because if it was not the Holy Spirit who, <laughs> if the Holy Spirit was not our power source for the Christian life, what would be? Right, Our- ourselves, right? Okay, so, so, and, and so the Holy Spirit is the power source for our Christian life. However, that is an incomplete statement. And the reason that I stated it that way, and the reason that, um, um, that I want you to, to, to keep that in mind is because however you think about God is how you're going to live your life, right? So if we think that the Holy Spirit is the power source for our Christian life, we will only seek the Holy Spirit. That will be how we approach the Christian life. But from the passages of Scripture that I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you that that is not the immediate, the direct way that God works in our lives. Now, let me read for you the statement, the last statement that I, um, on my notes from last week. My statement is, the Bible is the tool the Holy Spirit uses to change us. When we neglect God's word, we are cutting ourselves off from the power of the Holy Spirit to effect change in our hearts and lives. Okay, so again, I gave you the answer uh, when I said what I said, right? Well, people like, huh, what? You know, so the person was like, you need to stop saying stuff with shock value because, you know, people don't understand. (laughs) 
So I'm going to prove it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Listen to my sentence again. My two sentences. The Bible is the tool the Holy Spirit uses to change us. When we neglect God's word, we are cutting ourselves off from the power of the Holy Spirit to effect change in our hearts and lives. So this is the power source for the Christian life. It is the word of God in connection with the Holy Spirit. It is the word of God in connection with the Holy Spirit that is the power source for the Christian life. Um, and that absolutely makes a difference in how we view the Christian life. Okay, And I will prove it. When people talk about, you can tell what a person's viewpoint is, right, um, based on um, their discussion and how they act when they get the Holy Spirit, okay? So when someone gets the Holy Spirit, um, they shout, they fall on the floor, they speak in tongues, okay? They, so, so there's certain actions that come along with getting the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, however, most people then don't turn and say once they get the Holy Spirit that they got into the Word, that they understood the Word better. Right? Why is that? Why is it that when we are when we are asking God to fill us and empower us, we're only thinking about some form of power, right, coming directly to us that gives us the ability to do something in the Christian life, but it is usually detached from the Word of God. I'll prove it. I see some people like, what? Okay. Um, when we're struggling with something, okay, most of the times we... Fast, we pray, we ask God to give us power, we get, ask God to give us strength for something, right? Most times we don't go to the Word of God to see what the Bible says about the subject. Right? We, 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 we call, hey, Pastor, what the Bible say about this? I don't know, you got a copy? <laughs> you know? <laughs> All right. We... we 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 don't go here ourselves. Okay. And what I want us to see is if you are praying and asking God to fill you with the Spirit, to empower you with the Spirit, to strengthen you to do something, and that prayer is not in conjunction with spending time in God's Word, you do not have the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit comes to us through means of the Word of God. Now, let's prove it. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Today we're going to let our fingers do the walking. And what I want you to see is um, anytime you are empowered 
by the Spirit, it is in some way connected to his word. Genesis chapter 1. Now put all of these verses in order so we can just, so we don't jump back and forth, all right? Genesis chapter 1. It probably would have been better if I arranged them logically, but I don't want you to jump from the Old Testament to the New Testament, back and back, back. So we're going to start one verse and work our way forward. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, okay? So God creates the heavens and the earth. The Holy Spirit is there hovering over the face of the water. He is the power, right, that is bringing about all God's actions. You see that, okay? Um, I even read one um, author who says that um, this, you know, the the idea of hovering is like a, a bird, Flapping his wing, hovering over its uh, its um, uh, its, its children, and um, that is what caused the the rotation of the earth. And I'm like, that's uh, that's deep right there. I don't know. I got I had to meditate on that one a little bit more. <laughs> got to meditate on that one. But notice, immediately following the reference to the spirit, okay. You see verse 3, then God said. Verse 5, God called. Verse 6, then God said. Verse 8, and God called. Verse 9, then God said. Verse 10, and God called. Verse 11, then God said. Verse 14, then God said. Verse 20, Then God said, verse 22, and God blessed them, saying, verse 24, then God said, verse 26, then God said, verse 28, then God blessed them, and God said to them, verse 29, and God said. Notice, God's spirit is accompanied with God's word. God speaks and the power of the Spirit moves. They want to see that. All right. Next, I want you to turn with me to Job chapter 26. God's Spirit and God's Word always work together. The Word is the means by which the Spirit operates. Job 26, everyone there? Yep, 26. One verse, verse 13, it reads, let's read it together. By the Spirit, he adorned the heavens, his hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Okay. So, by his Spirit, he adorned the heavens. Okay. 
Now, in Genesis 1, it says he just spoke and created all things. Job 26 says that he did it by his spirit. Okay? I want you to look at <coughs> Job chapter 33. Job chapter 33. Job 33. One verse. And then we'll make a connection here. 33. Yep. Verse 4. Read out loud. The Spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life okay so job says that the spirit of god has made him and the breath of the almighty gives him life now what you don't notice here is that the hebrew word for spirit the word ruach means spirit breath or wind it can be translated spirit breath or wind. So here, the Spirit of God has made me, the breath of the Almighty gives me life. The word spirit and the word breath in this verse, the exact same word. Okay. The word spirit and the word breath is the exact same word in Hebrew. Okay. It's the exact same word in Greek as well. Okay. Spirit, breath, wind. Same word in Greek, panuma. So, What do you need in order to speak? Breath. Okay, so in order to say words, you need to breathe. Okay, so it's interesting that literally the word for spirit and breath, what we need to talk, right, is all related. Okay, follow, follow what I'm, where I'm taking you. Okay, I want you to next turn to. Um, Psalm 33. Psalm 33. What I'm trying to get you to see is the idea of the spirit, the idea of breath, the idea of words. All of these are all connected together so that whenever we see God's, um, hear God's word, we are experiencing his spirit and the spirit's power. Psalm 33. We see the same exact idea here. Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Literally, it could be by the spirit of his mouth. Okay? God's word, God's spirit, always work together. You, you see me. See what I'm, what I'm trying to show you. Okay. Next, um, Psalm 104. Psalm 104. 
Everyone there? Verse 27. Psalm 104, verse 27, reads, These all wait for you, that you may give them their food in due season. What you give them, they gather in. You open your hand, they are filled with good. You hide your face, they are troubled. You take away, your, you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. You send forth your spirit, and they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. So again, now it is the spirit who is involved in creation. Notice how the Bible can use the God's word and God's spirit interchangeably in reference to the same act. So when God creates the world, did he create the world through his word or did he create the word, the world through his spirit? The answer is both because God's word and his spirit are intimately, intimately connected, right? So that when God speak, the power of the spirit acts. And what's it with me? All right. Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31. question which one um I would say, no, 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 I would say, uh, what is it, verse 30, what, what, version, what version are you reading? What version of, of the Bible? Okay, because I, my, I have, new, mine is New King James, and this spirit is capitalized. So here's the here is this is what I what I would say first um, in the in the Hebrew and Greek, there is no capital and lowercase when it comes to, you know, spirit or, or the different words. Right. So it is all about the interpretation of the the person who is translating the passage of scripture. The only reason I think that it should say um, would be capital and that is referring to the Holy Spirit is because it, it says you sent forth your spirit. Right. So it's, it's a reference to God, what he did, does in order to create, not not something that is in reference to us. Okay. Um, Jeremiah 31. This passage we um, have read before, this is about the new covenant. OK, so when God saves us and he forgives us of our sins. Listen to what he says in how he describes this uh, salvation in, for the, in the New Covenant in Jeremiah chapter 31. I'll just read uh, verse 33 says, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law 
his word, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now, the whole point of this of this passage of this covenant that God is making with the with the nation of Israel and by extension us as, as Christians, um, believers in Christ, is that he gave us the old covenant, right? The Mosaic covenant that Moses made with the um, with God made through Moses on Mount Sinai. They didn't have the power or the ability to keep that covenant. Okay? He says that they broke his covenant, though he was a husband to them. But this new covenant is going to be different. This new covenant is going to be different because he is going to give them the power to keep the covenant. And how does he give them the power to keep the covenant? He says, I will write my laws on their minds. His word. His word is what empowers us to keep his covenant. Now, when you look in, I want you to turn to Ezekiel, two books to your right, Ezekiel chapter 36. He is uh, referencing the same thing, right? He's referencing the same thing. In Jeremiah 31, he says that he is going to write his laws, his word on our minds. But listen to what he says in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25. Ezekiel 36, verse 25. He says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you, and, and put a new spirit within you. Right? I will take the old heart of stone out of your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Now, two writers referring to the same event. One is talking about God's word being what is put on our hearts, put inside of us, on our minds to help us be obedient to God. And the other writer says it is God's spirit. Which one is it? What, what is empowering us to be obedient to God? Is it the word or is it the spirit? It's both. It is the word of God in connection to the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live the life that God wants us to live. If we don't spend time in God's word, right, we are cutting ourselves off from the power of the Holy Spirit. All right. We're going to keep going. Turn now to the Gospel of John. Now we're in the New Testament. Let's see what the New Testament says. <clears throat> John chapter 16. John chapter 16, this passage is familiar to all of us, right? Jesus uh, has just left the upper room 
and he is giving his disciples their last-minute instructions before he is, is uh, taken by Judas and the guards to be crucified. Jesus is now explaining to us the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? Listen to what Jesus says about the role of the Holy Spirit, starting at verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will make you dance. Okay. We'll try that again. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will make you fall out in the floor. Doesn't say that. It says, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will, not take, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. See, the, the, the role of the Holy Spirit is not to get you all excited. Woo! And then you go outside and, you know, resume the argument that you had on your way to church. The role of the Holy Spirit is to give you understanding of God's word. To guide you into, into all truth. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit... Right. You are supposed to understand God's word better. That's the role of of the Holy Spirit. I want you to turn to uh, Acts chapter one. Okay, two passages of scripture that refer to us being uh, receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not connected with his word. Here are two passages. First is Acts chapter one, verse eight. This just means talks about us. Being empowered by the Spirit, we should all, all probably know this verse. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. All right, so this is just saying that the Holy Spirit will empower you. Again, like I said, I did not, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is not our power, but the means that he empowers us is usually through his word. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. One book over to your right. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, I want you to bear with me. I'm going to read the entire chapter. I'm sorry, two books over. I'm going to read the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Again, Paul is addressing the ministry of the Holy Spirit here. And I want us to to hear and read the role of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
I was, was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with, with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Okay, so Paul says, I, I didn't come with these crafty phrases trying to, you know, persuade you. I preached with a demonstration of the spirit and of his power. That your faith, verse 5, should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Okay, now he gets on to his uh, explanation of the role of the spirit. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, what is that talking about? What is it that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, has not entered into the heart of a man um, the things that God has prepared for those who love him? Okay, God's spirit, wisdom, a BMW. Okay, faith that is rooted in, in God, not in the wisdom of men. Okay, all right. Now, when most times we use this passage, right, we're talking about a house, a car, uh, you know, a, a boo, all right, something that we're praying for that God gives us. It is God's word. The thing that, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man um, the things that God has prepared for those who love him, right? That is God's word. Listen to what Paul says in the very next verse. But God has revealed them, revealed what? What eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man. God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Why? For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received. Received what? What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what has not entered into the heart of man. We have received it, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And these things we speak, okay, still again, what no ear has seen, hear, heard, no eye has seen, has not entered. These are the things that we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Words which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And um, a great translation of that um, from Greek literally could be spiritual things with spiritual words. The role of the Holy Spirit is to reveal to us God's word, what he wants. Okay. However, verse 14, the natural man does not receive, I debate on whether I should finish these verses, <laughs> given our conversation yesterday in cell group, but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God, 
for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So the Holy Spirit comes to reveal God's word to us because in our flesh, as a natural man apart from the spirit, we can't understand God's word. Literally, the word foolishness here is where we get our English word moron. We think the things of God are moronic, that they're idiotic. But the Spirit reveals those things to us, right? Last verse, debate on whether I should use this verse. But he who is spiritual judges all things. (laughs) But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. I'll leave that to to speak for itself from the cell group. (laughs) I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Um, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. What I'm trying to get you to see is God's spirit always works in connection with his word. When God wants to empower us, he gives us his word. Because, as he said in the Old Testament, my words will not return to me void. They will accomplish what I send them to do. Is everyone with me? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 Scripture on being empowered by the Spirit. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. Okay, so you can read the rest of it. It doesn't say anything about the Word. It just says that the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers you in your inner man. All right. Now, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, same book, passage of scripture that probably everyone thought about when I um, said uh, that it is not the Holy Spirit that is the power source, either this passage or Ephesians chapter 5, right? I think these both passages are are similar, right? Saying that the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us. It is the Spirit who empowers us in our inner man, okay? Um, Chapter 5. We all know this passage about being filled with the Spirit. Verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly or wisely, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine. Okay, I might say that again. And do not be drunk with wine. <laughs> In which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit okay don't be drunk with wine but be filled with the spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the lord giving thanks always for all things to god the father in the name of our lord jesus christ submitting to one another in the fear of the lord a fear of god i'll stop right there we don't want to read verse 22 so (laughs) 
<laughs> the husband's like, yeah, come on. Wives, submit to your own husbands, okay? <laughs> I had a friend at Morgan, um, when I was at Morgan, who said, he was like, I'm going to get Ephesians 5.22 tattooed on my forearm. I was like, man, you're going to have a rough life. <laughs> a rough life. Um, so, listen, these two passages in Ephesians, the one we just read in chapter 3, right, where he says um, that we are supposed to, um, the Holy Spirit is, is the one that empowers us in our inner man, right? And this passage about being filled with the Spirit, along with, you know, Acts 1-8, about being, you know, the, the Holy Spirit empowering us, those three verses are really, you know, damaging to my position, right? That we are not empowered directly by the Holy Spirit, but he empowers us through his word, right? It, that's da- those three, these three verses are damaging because all three of them talk about the Holy Spirit empowering us, and it says nothing about the word, correct? Everybody see that? Acts 1-8, right? You will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He says in Ephesians chapter um, 3 that um, the Holy Spirit is the one that is empowering us again. And he also says it here, be filled with the Spirit. And in all three of those passages, says nothing about the Word. Well, I'm not even going to go there. Not even going to go there. Everybody see that? Okay. So I have dug myself into a hole because all three of those passages talk about being empowered by the Spirit and says nothing about the Word. Correct? Everybody with me? Everybody see that? All right. I want you to turn with me to Colossians. Colossians. Two books to your right, Colossians. <laughs> Here's the comeback. Mr. Greg already see it happening. Colossians chapter 3. Now remember, these are Paul's prison epistles. Paul is writing these passages, I mean these books, at the same exact time because he has nothing to do. He's in jail. <laughs> okay? And so... So I got a lot of time to think and write. Hmm, I should write some letters. Okay, <laughs> okay. So the content of these of these letters are very similar because Paul is writing them back to back to back. Okay. Now, when we look in Colossians chapter three, Paul is repeating himself from Ephesians chapter five. Okay. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, he says, what? Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on to say what that will look like, speaking in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Okay? Let us read Colossians chapter 3. Let us start just one verse. Verse 16, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, 
teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I want you to keep your finger right here, and I want you to turn back to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, 18, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody in your heart to the Lord. Colossians 3, 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Do you see that in one passage, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, and you will speak with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And in the parallel passage, he does not say be filled with the Spirit. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then says, speaking with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So being filled with the Spirit is the same thing as letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. <laughs> you cannot right who gonna check me boo <laughs> you cannot be empowered by the spirit without the word of god say it again you cannot <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> be empowered by the Spirit <laughs> without the Word of God. Being filled with the Spirit is the same thing as allowing the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Knowing the Word, meditating on the Word, studying the Word, spending time in the Word. That is being filled with the Spirit. You with me? <laughs> that knowing God's word is being filled with the Spirit. You got me. All right. I could stop there, but I got two more. Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, the book right before the book of James, Hebrews chapter 1, Verse 3, well, I'll start at verse 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. Okay, so now he's saying that he made the world through Jesus, who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, or by the power of his word. Okay, so his word 
here is what keeps every single thing in existence, okay. his word. Okay. But again, we also know that it is his spirit. Last one, Hebrews 11.3. Hebrews 11.3 reads, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed, how? By the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Okay. So, let's recap. What I want us to see is God's word and his spirit are, always work together okay so if we don't spend time in god's word you can fast you can pray you can ask god for power right but if you do not go to his word you are cutting yourself off from god's power because the holy spirit now i i i, I hate to say always because you know i don't i can't dictate what the holy spirit does but 99.8% of the time, <laughs> okay. the Holy Spirit is going to operate through the word. Okay. When he wants to change our hearts and minds, when he wants to cleanse us from sin, when he wants to strengthen us or empower us or, or to get us to go in a direction that God wants us to, to go in, he operates through his word. So quite naturally, the one thing that we neglect that the devil keeps us from is what? The word. I don't understand it. Oh, that's boring. I don't like Leviticus. Oh, you know, we, we, we have so many reasons why we don't spend time in the word. But that's why as Christians, we are not powerful. Because God empowers us to live the life that he wants us to live through his word. This is how he fills us. This is how he strengthens us. This is how he shapes our heart and our minds. This is how he cleanses us from sin. Okay. So what we have to do is all of the passages of scripture that we went through in Psalms. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation every day. Okay. When you meditate in his word, you become like a tree planted by rivers of water that produces its fruit in its season. Joshua chapter one. Right. What does Joshua chapter one say? That when you meditate on the word, when you obey the word, then you will have good success. OK. This is how God empowers us. And apart from this, if we separate ourselves from God's word, if we don't spend time in God's word, right, if we don't memorize it, meditate on it, learn it, study it, understand even the boring stuff, it, some of this stuff is boring, right? He begot, he, this one never got that one, got that one. Why, why do I need to know that, God? I, I, I don't need to know who had who, right? I, I don't need to know genealogies, but for some reason, it's in there. God needed us to know this, okay? Um, and the truth is that he's showing us the, the lineage that what he, what he, who he has chosen um, 
to bring Christ into the world. Okay, so that, that's important. Leviticus. I struggle in the book of Leviticus. I'm like, thou shalt not. Man, can we do anything? Okay. I do good. You know, when I start reading through the Bible, Genesis and Exodus, I'm good. When I get into Leviticus, I'm like, I drag through Leviticus. Then I'm like, oh, let's jump to the New Testament. (laughs) I got to make myself read through Leviticus. Why? Because it is the word of God. It is teaching us about how to live in the presence of a holy God. It is teaching us about our need for Christ. And so every single part of God's word is important and none of it should be neglected. It is God's power to change us. Y'all with me? You got me. Boom. And we out early. That clock is three minutes fast. It's 12, 15. Boom. Done. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. (laughs) Thank you for... Allowing us to come in again, Lord, and to, to hear your word. As Jesus said in John 17, 17, before he was uh, taken away to be crucified, Lord, sanctify us through your word because your word is truth. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see the importance of your word the same way that Jesus saw it. Even though he was God in the flesh, he needed your word. It was your word that protected him in spiritual warfare against the enemy. And it is your word that will protect us as well. Help us, Lord, to love your word, to take pleasure in your word, to find your word being joyful for us. Because after we have learned your word and have obeyed your word, as as you said to Joshua, then we will find good success. It's your word that shapes us and molds us into the image of your son, always in connection with the power of your spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would keep uh, working a hunger and a passion into our hearts and minds for your word. Help us, Lord, to not see as see spending time in your word as something that um, as a chore, something we have to add on to our day. But help us to see, as you said in Deuteronomy 8, that man lives only by your word, not by bread. Speak to us, Lord. Help us to hear you speaking to us through your word. Help us to know that this is how you communicate to us. And I pray, Lord, that as we commune with you and spend time with you, that you would change our minds that you would cleanse our minds, that we would think just like you because we have the mind of Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would keep drawing us to yourself each and every day through your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would truly sanctify us, grow us up through your word because your word is truth. We thank you now for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.